From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we'll hear another message in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a series preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. Today's text is Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, Continue in Prayer. It is interesting to remark how large a portion of sacred writ is occupied with the subject of prayer, either in furnishing examples, enforcing precepts, or pronouncing promises. We scarcely open the Bible before we read, Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. And just as we're about to close the volume, the amen of an earnest supplication meets our ears. Instances are plentiful. Here we find a wrestling Jacob, there a Daniel who prayed three times a day, and a David who with all his heart called upon his God. On the mountain we see Elias, in the dungeon Paul and Silas. We have multitudes of commands and myriads of promises. What does this teach us but the sacred importance and necessity of prayer? We may be certain that whatever God has made prominent in His Word He intended to be conspicuous in our lives. If He has said much about prayer, it is because He knows we have much need of it. So deep are our necessities that until we are in heaven, we must not cease to pray. Dost thou want nothing? Then I fear thou dost not know thy poverty. Hast thou no mercy to ask of God? Then may the Lord's mercy show thee thy misery. A prayerless soul is a Christless soul. Prayer is the lisping of the believing infant, the shout of the fighting believer, the requiem of the dying saint falling asleep in Jesus. It is the breath, the watchword, the comfort, the strength, the honor of a Christian. If thou be a child of God, thou wilt seek thy Father's face and live in thy Father's love. Pray that this year thou mayest be holy, humble, zealous, and patient. Have closer communion with Christ and enter oftener into the banqueting house of his love. Pray that thou mayest be an example and a blessing unto others, and that thou mayest live more to the glory of thy Master. The motto for this year must be, Continue in Prayer. Approach my soul, the mercy seat, where Jesus answers prayer. Fall before his feet. 
in the English-speaking world, the ability to own a copy of God's Word is taken for granted. Indeed, many of us possess multiple copies of the Bible. Yet, this was not always the case. There was a time when attempts to translate the Bible into the language of the common people were met with persecution and even death. Men like John Wycliffe and William Tyndale were hunted like outlaws, simply because they labored to give God's word to the people in the language they could understand. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make available a booklet that briefly traces the history of those efforts. Entitled, How We Got Our English Bible, this short publication tells the story of the development of the authorized version of the Scriptures as we know it, including the enormous impact of the invention of printing upon the spread of God's word, Published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, this booklet is free to all who request it. Simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak. 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 
1-800-227-2915. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of How We Got the English Bible, and we'll be happy to provide it. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues to deal with the message of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Although the record of this miracle is the only one found in all four Gospels, Dr. Cairns is taking as his text the narrative from chapter 6 of John's Gospel. In the course of this message, we'll see three views of Christ as taught in this miracle. First, we see him as the creator of life. What the Lord did here was no magical trick. It was a miraculous creative action, bringing an abundance of food out of a few small loaves of barley bread. Then we behold Christ as the sustainer of life. He fed that vast multitude, showing that he uses what he creates as he pleases. Now Dr. Cairns brings the next portion of this message, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. The crowds had been thronging the Savior, and they had been with him day after day, and following from place to place, and even across the storm-tossed Sea of Galilee. As darkness began to fall, they were fainting with hunger. The disciples came to the Savior, and they said, Send them away. I don't want to get off on a tangent. But isn't it just like us, ourselves? The easiest way to deal with a problem is to avoid it. Let's not get involved. Lord, send them away. But we read that Jesus had compassion upon them. And he said, they need not go away. Give ye them to eat. But of course, as I've said, they had nothing to give them. And all they could find in that vast company were these few loaves and fishes. But the Lord Jesus said, bring them to me. Bring them to me. And he took them. He blessed. We tend to think that he blessed the bread. But what does that mean? 
As I said at the communion table last time, we were talking about blessing the bread. Actually, when he blessed, he was blessing God. He was magnifying God. He was glorifying the Father. He was already speaking by faith. He blessed God. Then he broke the bread, and then he gave it, and he fed 5,000 men. And there was more left over than when they had begun. In fact, the disciples must have been eating barley loaves and fish fragments for many days to come. And knowing the moaning disposition of most of us, I'm not sure that by the time they had got through them all, they weren't sorry that the wee fella had not brought a much more diverse meal to the table. Now, this was the miracle. Now, John is very careful when he records the miracle to give it its meaning. And that's what the rest of John chapter 6 is all about. Because the Lord Jesus took this miracle and he used it as the text for a sermon about himself. When the people came the following day, they were looking for more food. Missionaries talk about rice Christians. People who will profess anything if you give them rice or whatever part of the world they happen to be in, the staple food. People will make any profession if only you will buy their allegiance. And here were the original rice Christians. They came. Jesus said, you're not looking even for the miracle. You're simply looking for food. And then he said, labor not for the meat that perishes, but labor for that meat which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. How do we get that meat? How do we stand rightly related to God? What is it that God demands of us, they asked. And he said, this is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Amazingly, the reply of the Jews to that was, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Now, the Greek text, the thou is emphatic. They're comparing Christ to Moses. And what they're saying is, Moses gave us every day manna from heaven. You feed us once with the bread of earth, and you expect us to heal you as the Messiah. Talk about unbelief, ingratitude, depravity. Well, here you have it all rolled up into one. What sign showest thou? What do you do to merit being healed as Messiah? The Lord Jesus told him, verse 32, Moses didn't give you any bread. Moses couldn't give you bread. It was my Father who gave you that bread, and now he has come again to send you the true bread, even the bread from heaven. And Jesus, in that wonderful statement, said, verse 35, I am the bread of life. And he gives the promise uh, in verse uh, 35, He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Later on, he says, I am that true bread. 
and I give my flesh for the life of the world, speaking of his death at Calvary. And then he says, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I raise him up at the last day. What does it mean to eat the flesh of Christ? What does it mean to drink the blood of Christ? There's no reference to the communion feast. That had not even been established at that time. There's not even a prophetic reference to the communion feast. The surrounding verses tell you the meaning. Coming and believing is the same as eating and drinking. It was Augustine, a great North African theologian, whose works actually have been healed as the basis for most Roman Catholic theology. It was Augustine who contradicted all that Rome teaches on this by saying, to believe is to eat. And that's the meaning of Christ's message. So today, I want us to think of the message of this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And you can sum it up in one simple sentence. Christ is our life. Today, as we come toward the end of the service, very simply, I want to take three very simple but far-reaching views of Christ, our life, as you see them in the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. First and foremost, you'll see he is the creator of life. Try to get the picture in your mind. Have you ever seen a crowd of 5,000 men add the women and children? I have been around crowds and church work and all for quite a few years. It's my experience, if you ever get 5,000 men, if you add in women and children, you'll more than double the crowd. What we're dealing with here is a huge multitude of people. As I say, I don't know whether you've really ever been caught up in such a vast crowd. It is an exhilarating thing. Sometimes it is an alarming thing. You see this milling crowd, and as the day wears on, and they begin to faint with hunger, something happens. The Lord Jesus is seen to stand, lift his eyes to God as Father, bless God, and take five tiny little barley loaves. Now, you mustn't think of these as loaves you're going to get in Bilo, you know, with about 14 slices per loaf. You're not going to get that. These, remember, this was the food for one little boy. So it's not much at all. These five tiny little barley loaves. He was seen to take them and break them and give and give and give and give until 12 disciples went around and they fed all the multitude. Now the feeding of the 5,000 was not magic. It was miracle. And the difference is great. Magic is deception. Magic is sleight of hand. It is the appearance blinding the eye to reality. Miracle, on the other hand, is the demonstration of the mighty power of our Creator at work. Here was a miracle. And you look at what happened. The disciples placed five barley loaves and two tiny fish into Christ's hands. 
he broke and he placed into their hands enough to feed a vast multitude. In other words, in his hand, and at his word, a miracle of pure creation took place. There's no other way to look at this. There is this creative element in the miracle. He took the five loaves and he multiplied them. How does that happen? By the laws, as we call them, of nature, which are only God's usual way of doing things after all. By those laws of nature, it can't happen. But in the hands of Christ, it did happen because he is the creator. What a miracle. The miracle of one who is the creator of life. And the Lord Jesus intended them to understand as he stood before them that he was their creator, that in him and through him all creation came into being and that all life therefore was produced by him. It was a stupendous miracle. It was an amazing miracle. It amazed not only the Jews, it amazed even the disciples. I don't know why particularly Philip was singled out to be asked the question by Christ, uh, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Uh, he stands as the spokesman for them all. Perhaps it was because Philip was the most practical, and uh, he could give a very clear answer here. He says, Lord, 200 penny worth of bread wouldn't be enough. So when he saw the miracle, he was amazed. Philip had calculated things perfectly. I have no doubt that his calculation was very precise. But he had calculated without Christ. He looked at the crowd. He saw the need. He figured out in his mind how much money it would take to satisfy that need. And he was right. The only thing is, in all his calculation, he had left out the Creator. The doctor looks at the situation and he said, this is what's happening, that's what's happening. This is what we can do, and this is what we may hope to do, and this is what we can't do. We look at the calculations, and those calculations would be, no doubt, medically, scientifically, very precise, very exact. But the thought came to me, we must not make the mistake of leaving the Lord out of the calculation. He is our creator. He is absolutely sovereign. Let us not make the mistake of the Jews who with all this evidence before them were blind to the significance of the miracle, and they were blind to the fact that their Creator stood before them. He's the Creator of life. But second, He is the sustainer of life, for He fed them. And here is a glimpse of the powerful truth that the Lord Jesus upholds and uses all he has created as he pleases. Again, I want you to see the, the force of this miracle. 
He created the very stuff that made the bread. In his hand, he created enough food to feed a multitude. I'm not going to rehash that. But remember, he did it. And by the way, anybody who's ever followed the creation-evolution debate will know this and make sure we never forget it. Don't be blown away when evolutionists talk about the appearance of great age in creation. As soon as God created, by the very fact that he created a running universe, it carried in it the appearance of great age. If you met Adam one day after he was created, you might have said he was a man of 30 or 40 years old, but you'd have been all wrong. He was one day old. If you'd had some of these uh, scientists do their test to get the age of the universe one day after God said, let there be light. You'd have found that uh, they said it was millions of years old. Look at it here. If you had taken that bread in your hand and said, where did it come from? You'd have said, well, first of all, there was a farmer and he went out and he tilled a field. And then he took the barley seed and he sowed the field. And then there was a period of rain. And then there was a period of sunshine. And then there was the latter rain. And then there was the final sunshine. Then there was the harvest. Then they went out and they reaped. And then they took what they had reaped. And they made it into flour. And with the flour, they made a dough. And they put it in an oven. And they baked the bread. And this bread is the product of months and months and months and months of prior preparation. That's what it looked like because it was a creation. But you'd have been all wrong. Christ created it. And now he uses what he creates exactly as he pleases. Listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 